All right. Everyone's doing well? Blessed of the Lord? Amen. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We'll get right into the word of the Lord this morning on the subject of the unseen. The Bible has a lot to say about the unseen realm of the Lord. You know, we quote a lot of verses and we don't really think about what they're saying, but one, you know, from John chapter 4, we say, well, God is spirit and those who worship him worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we don't, you know, we just kind of say that and believe that, but don't you stop to think, well, yeah, he is spirit. I haven't seen him, but I believe he's real. Hebrews 11, one tells us that faith is the substance of things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so we look at that verse and say, oh, yeah, it's talking about faith. And then we go off from that and say how important it is that we live by faith, but we don't really take time to just camp on that for a few moments. Say, well, if faith is the evidence of things that are not seen, just exactly what are the not seen things that faith is the evidence of? In the kingdom of God, matter of fact, in reality, when we're talking about the unseen realm, there are two kingdoms vying for your attention. We have the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is you know, part of our prayer. Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So we have the kingdom of heaven, but then we also have the kingdom of Satan, the God of this world, small g. It could be the contrast, the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. But you realize and recognize that there's a, there is an unseen realm, and it's because it's not seen, many times we dismiss it as, well, is it really real? Is it a fantasy world? Or, well, I believe in the kingdom of heaven, but there's a lot of people proclaim to be Christians and believe in the kingdom of heaven, but we don't believe in the kingdom of darkness. We don't believe the devil's real. Well, there's something going on. <laughs> there's something going on that's causing all the stealing, killing, and destroying, and it's not the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said he has come to bring us life and that the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So there's two kingdoms combating against one another. Then we have this natural world which we're living in. And while we're in this natural world, God graced us with these wonderful design bodies designed from heaven in this natural realm. And he's given us our five physical senses to uh, be in touch with this natural world. We have our eyes, our ears, our nose, and uh, did I, I don't know if I said all five of them or not. We have touch. We have all these different senses to contact the, the physical world and, and to, uh, to navigate this natural world. But there's also the spiritual world that we are to navigate. And matter of fact, it's to supersede this natural world because this natural world is very temporary. It's very temporary, but the unseen realm, the realm of the kingdom of heaven is eternal. And we do much better in life when we learn to live by faith and not by sight. When we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, it's when we learn to walk by the Spirit of God, when we learn to walk by what we're seeing in the kingdom of heaven, from God's perspective, we begin to see life from heaven's perspective rather than making all of our judgments, all of our decisions based on what we see with our natural eye. In the natural realm, that's fine, but there's a higher superiority. And so faith being the evidence of things not seen, so that not seen things must exist or faith could not be the evidence of it. And 
For all you students out here, you people that are younger than me, there's this book called Webster's New World Dictionary, where we used to go to look up meaning of words before Series and Google and all those other shortcuts, quick ways to do it. But Webster's New World Dictionary defines evidence. One of the, one of the definitions of evidence is something that makes another thing evident. And that's pretty deep, is it not? Something that makes another thing evident. Well, faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. So there are some not seen things that can become evident to us when we learn to live by faith, when we learn to walk by faith, and we learn to operate according to the principles that God has called us to. And, you know, in the book of Romans, those that, that uh, the just, those people that have been born again, we who are justified are to live by faith. Hebrews 11, 6 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So this is God's government that he established. Yes, we're here in this world. We're not citizens of this world. We are, we are citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven and as, as uh, children of the Most High God, our way of doing, interacting with God, our way of worshiping God, our way of hearing from God, and our way of walking with God and pleasing God is to walk by faith and not by sight. And faith being the evidence of things that are not seen. So there's an entire world available to us that we're not seeing with our natural eye, but we can walk with God. Uh, Jesus, in his conversation with Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at the night and inquired about Jesus, Jesus responded to Nicodemus's inquiry about him. Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, that most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of God, implying that when we are born again, there's a kingdom to see. You're born again into the kingdom of heaven, and when you're born again into the kingdom of heaven, you can see the kingdom of heaven, but you can't see it with your natural eye. But we can learn and we can be developed to see it with the eye of faith. So the very fact that Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again tells me that there must be a kingdom of God to see that we are not seeing to the extent that we should be seeing it. And, and if we're not seeing it, to miss seeing it is to miss receiving it. When God spoke to Abraham in Genesis, I believe it was in Genesis chapter 13 about leaving and going into the land, he said, lift up your eyes from the place where you are right now. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, and look to the west. All that, all that you see, I will give it to you. you know, it's what you see is what you're going to inherit. That's what he's telling Abraham. What you see is what you will inherit. So the moment, whatever your story is, that, the moment your story began as a Christian, when you received Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, you were born again into the kingdom of heaven. That same could be said about you now. When you, came, when you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, now from that point, lift up your eyes to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west. Everything that you see, you will inherit it. And too many times we come into the kingdom and then we stop growing. There's no more growth takes place. We just kind of, we, we remain infants in the kingdom. Uh, and, and thank God that 
when your life expires here on earth, you're going to spend eternity in heaven, which is the most important thing. Everything here on earth is relatively, really short compared to eternity. But nonetheless, while we're here, God's desire is to establish his kingdom here on the earth. So that as many people come to know him or introduced to him as possible. It's the primary purpose. So there's the kingdom of God to see. That I submit to you that we're, we see glimpses of it. We see little snapshots of it here and there. But it's, uh, what was that, uh, Nathan, that one app? I don't know if it's still, kids still use it or not or people still use it, but you could send a picture and it only lasts so many seconds. or Snapchat. Snapchat. You know, most people, they live their kingdom, they live their spiritual life like as a Snapchat. You get a little glimpse of it, and then it disappears. It's gone forever. Well, that's not God's intent. God's intent for us is not just to get a little glimpse, a little Snapchat, and then it's gone. It's like, poof, what happened to it? I thought it was for real, but now I don't see it anymore. I can't pull it up anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. God's kingdom is real. And so the prayer, matter of fact, Paul prayed this type of prayer for the church at Ephesus. He prayed for them that the eyes of their understanding would be open, would be enlightened to know. Our eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that we would know. And so there's a lot to, to, uh, to be introduced to. There's much to be seen because when we see it, to see it is to have a revelation and to have a revelation is to be able to walk in it. And, and again, back to Hebrews 11:1, faith is the substance of things. Hope for evidence of things that are not seen. But I want you to know that not seeing things do exist. They're very, very real. Even uh, in, in the audible world, in, 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 a, in our digital world, in our Wi-Fi world, there's so much stuff in the air right here, right in this very environment that we're in, that you're not seeing it, but you have the proper device, then you turn on the device, all of a sudden you, 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 you hear words, you hear radio programming, you have a Wi-Fi, you, you're, you're live streaming something, you think, wow, that's really cool. But you know, when you Wi-Fi and you log on to something and you start live streaming or you, you log on and listen to a podcast, that does not create the podcast. Turning the radio on does not produce the station. The radio station, it already exists. It's al already producing. The radio signals, the waves are, are it's already in the atmosphere. But when you turn on your radio, now you have the instrument. Now you have the proper tool to pull in that signal that's out there. And your radio translates it into something that's audible so that you can hear it. But it doesn't create it. Logging onto your Wi-Fi and logging onto whatever app and program and downloading, live streaming or podcasting, whatever, doesn't create it. Whoever your favorite speaker is, whoever your favorite person is to live stream or whatever sports channels, whatever you're doing, when you, if, you're, if you're streaming it, you're not creating it. You're, you're simply using the tool to pull in something and to make it visible Make it adaptable so that you can see it, you can hear it. Your device is making that possible. The same way in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven is very real. God is everywhere. His grace, his mercy, his goodness, his kindness, his saving grace, his healing power, his His. his uh, provision, his protection, it's all readily available. Our, our responsibility is, is to learn to tap into it, and you have the device. It's free. There's no monthly charge. It never wears out. 
It's called faith. Everyone say faith. So faith being the substance of things that you're hoping for and the evidence of things that are not seen. Matter of fact, we could even go back and tie hope in with us a little bit. We did it a few weeks ago, but if faith is the substance of things that you're hoping for, you, the only thing you ever hope for in life are things you don't yet see. You don't yet have it. It hasn't manifested yet in your life. It's not a reality to you. Once whatever you're hoping for is manifested and becomes a reality to you, you no longer hope for that. Now you're hoping for something else. Faith, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is my evidence that God is real even though I don't see him, even though I'm not seeing him. Turn with me to, see if I have that scripture anywhere. I'm thinking of a scripture in Peter. There's one that talks about Jesus, uh, Peter, I can find it. Turn to Peter. I'll find it. First Peter. Chapter 1 and verse 8. Beginning at verse 3, is talking about our heavenly inheritance. Then in verse 8 of 1 Peter, it says, Whom having not seen, he's talking about Jesus. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now, you not, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So even though you, don't, you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice. And so we believe in Jesus. Even though we haven't seen him with our natural eyes, we believe in him and we rejoice in him. And we come together and we worship him. So it's a, that whole concept of faith being the evidence of things that are not seen. So last week we shared, I shared a story with the congregation on first Kings, from 1 Kings chapter 6, and it's a story where Elisha, the, the prophet of God, the man of God, was being, uh, was being pursued by the Syrians because he would continually receive the battle plans of the, Lord, of, of the Syrians, and the Syrians would come out against Israel, and every time they'd come to attack Israel, Israel would be prepared for them because they had a word through a word of wisdom and words of knowledge. They, they knew exactly what the Syrian battle plans were. They'd always be ready for them, and it's the, Syrians, the Syrians were getting frustrated. So the only way we can conquer Israel is to get rid of the seer get rid of the prophet, get rid of the man of God that knows all of our battle plans. And so they came to the city of Dothan where Elisha was to, to basically to take him captive or to kill him. And, and when they came into the village, into the city, Elijah's servant got up early in the morning and, and, and he recognized and he saw that the entire city of Dothan was surrounded by enemy armies the Syrians, and he was scared. It, it, it scared him, and he went to the prophet, and he said, you know, what, what are we going to do? We're surrounded. There's no way to get out of this. You know, this is it. We're toast. And the prophet reminded the young servant. He said, first of all, he said, don't be afraid. There are more with us than be with them. Now, you put yourself in the servant's position. The servant is thinking, no, it's the prophet and me. It's only two of us, and there could be thousands of the enemies circling the city. And the prophet said, well, don't be afraid. There's more with us than be with them. 
And then he prayed for the young man that the Lord would open the young man's eyes. And in the natural, what the young man, what the servant was seeing with his eyes is what caused him to be afraid. That's why he ran to the prophet. And he says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, we're surrounded by the enemy. There's no way out of this. We're, we're done. And the prophet calmly said, don't be afraid. There's more with us than be with them. Lord, open his eyes that he might see what I'm talking about. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but in general, that's what he said. Lord, open this young man's eyes so he can see what I'm seeing. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he opened his eyes, behold, he said, the mountain was filled with the angels of the Lord, and there was more angels of the Lord surrounding Elijah and the servant than there were enemy Syrian army encircling the entire city. But the young man couldn't see it. He was not seeing it. But Elijah was seeing it. He could see it through the eye of faith. He saw it, and he prayed, Lord, let this young man see it so that, you know, so he won't be afraid. And so the prayer always is, Lord, open up my eyes that I might see your solution. Open up my eyes that I might see your provision. Open my eyes that I might see your protection. Open up my eyes that I might see your deliverance from my life. And the Lord opened his eyes, and he saw but opening the young man's eyes did not create the angels. They already existed. Your need, whatever it may be, already exists. The answer to your prayer already exists. For example, if there's someone, let's, let's assume there's someone here today that has not yet received Jesus as Lord and Savior and, you know, and we give an altar call, we call it an altar call for people to respond and for people to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And someone responds today, one or two or three people respond to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Does that mean that Jesus has to come down from heaven, go through all the trials and the mockings and the beatings and go to the cross and die? No? Well, why not? This person, these people are responding for salvation and isn't Jesus' work on the cross, isn't that how people get saved? Isn't that how people get saved? Yes. By believing? Well, doesn't Jesus have to come down and do that this morning? No. Why not? He already did it. Ah, he already has done that. None of them sounded very good. He already did it. None. He already has done that. <laughs> anyway, it's finished. It's finished. And when a person hears the gospel story, they see that. They say, I see. I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. It's the same thing, the same principle works for every need in your life, for every provision in your life. God's work is finished. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Open up our eyes that we might see what God has accomplished for us, that we might begin to receive it and to walk in, in the fullness of it. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Numbers, chapter 22. You think it's great that Elijah prayed for the young man and the young man saw, but there's a story in here where, about Balaam and Balaam's donkey could see what we can't see many times. It's a pretty cool story. But uh, Balak had sent for Balaam to come and to do what he wasn't supposed to do, but uh, let's just pick up here real quickly. Read the entire chapter. You read the entire chapter. 
I got things to do, places to go, people to see. <laughs> Verse 19. Now, therefore, please, you also stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. And God said to Balaam at the, and God came to Balaam at the night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them, but only the word which I speak to you, that you shall speak. Notice you're not going to curse the people. You're going to bless the people. So Balaam rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princess of Moab. Now, the donkey in that day was a really, really fine machine. I mean, that was a nice vehicle. You know, we talk about our new cars with artificial intelligence. They're working on making sure that the cameras of the new cars can distinguish the difference between a rabbit and a cat on the road. And until they get that precise, they're not going to, you know. But they're really working on this artificial intelligence, you know, seeing things. A great eye. Verse 22, the anger of the Lord arose because he went and the, ang and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him and he was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Look at verse 23. Notice Bala uh, Balaam's going and the Lord put a donkey in his way. Balaam's not seeing it, but in verse 23 it says, and the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his with, uh, with his drawn sword in his hand, and the donkey turned aside out of the way and went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. He was frustrated. Why would this donkey do this to me? Verse 25, and when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall. And this is the second time. Pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. Now, Balaam's really ticked off. I mean, <laughs> this is the third time. I mean, this is a really fine machine, and all of a sudden it breaks down three times in a row. So he's angry, and he's not being very kind. And the angel of the Lord, verse 27, the angel of the Lord went further, stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Now, not, now don't we just have donkeys seeing angels? Now we have donkeys speaking. And if you want to have a real sense of humor, read this in the King James. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you why. You just go ahead and do it. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish that there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey said to Balaam, am I, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden? Have I not been your ride all these times and I've always been faithful? I became yours to this day. Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, no. I love this next verse, verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and Balaam saw the angel of the Lord standing in his way with his drawn sword in his hand, and he bowed his head, and he fell flat on his face. Now we have Elijah prayed for his servant. His servant was able to see into the realm of the spirit. 
We have a donkey that's able to see into the realm of the spirit. And now finally, the Lord opens up Balaam's eyes and he's able to see into the realm of the spirit. And he also sees the angel of the Lord. Faith. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. I believe that there are ministering angels encamped around about the campus here today. I believe there are ministering angels camped around about my life today, my family's life, my loved one's lives, your lives. I believe that. We have scripture that he gives his angels charge over us. Well, if he gives his angels charge over us, then there must be angels watching over us. Amen? I've seen an angel. I didn't know it was an angel, but I've seen one already. So thank God they're real. May not look like an angel when you see the angel, but thank God they're real. So in John 20, in verse 29, that's where we have uh, Thomas. You know, he came into the room with the disciples, and uh, Jesus appeared, and Thomas was not with them. And so later when Thomas came to join them, they told him that Jesus appeared, and Thomas said, well, unless I see it, unless I see, I'm not going to believe it. Well, the next time Thomas is with them, the door being shut, Jesus appeared again to them, and he mentioned to Thomas, he said, by the way, he said, um, if you want to see me, here you see me. If you want to touch me, here, go ahead and touch me. And then Thomas did it, and then he confessed, my God, my God, you are the Lord. And Jesus replied, and he said, you're blessed. You've seen me and you believe, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Notice, you have not seen with your natural eye, but you believe. Jesus said you're blessed, even though you don't see it in the natural. With your natural eye, you believe it. Faith is the evidence of things that are not seen. So by faith, I believe. Faith is the evidence that makes that thing real to me. So you believe it. He said you're blessed as a result of it. So continue to walk by faith. Continue to thank God that you are always able to see and, and that you are able uh, to, to keep your trust and your confidence in God because you're making up your mind. You're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 14 for our lesson for today. That was all introduction. Matthew chapter 14, we have Jesus walking on the sea beginning at verse 22, and the disciples are in the boat, and they, first they think it's a ghost, and at first they're afraid, but you know they, they call out. In verse, let's begin reading at verse 26. Matthew chapter 14, verse 26. It says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on water to go to Jesus. Everyone say, Peter, Peter. Walked, on water. walked on water. 
All right, so he did this. Verse 30, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? So when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, they got into the boat, the wind ceased. The next verse says, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. So when Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased. The lesson is complete. What did the disciples learn from this lesson? And even more important, what are we to learn from it today in this very hour that we're living in at this very moment? How is this applicable to my life other than being a nice children's church story? Well, number one, through Peter, the disciples and we gain a visual of walking by faith. Faith being the evidence of things that are not seen. So how can I take steps of faith even though I'm not seeing it with my natural eye. As Peter walked on water, they saw him do it. So what we learn here, what we learn here is that we learn that faith is stepping out in obedience to Jesus. Jesus told Peter, come. Peter got out of the boat and started walking to him. So we learn that faith is stepping out in obedience to Jesus and looking to Jesus to sustain our steps even when The path of obedience to Jesus' command takes us over uncharted waters. Say, I have never done this before. I've never done this before. I've never gone this way before. or I've never taken the high road before. I was never the first one to forgive. And whatever it may be, the steps of obedience, you're taking them because you're, you're looking to Jesus. And Jesus said to come. So on that command to come, you step out of the boat and you're walking on water. You're walking to Jesus. The second thing that we learn from this is that through Peter, we see the difference between Walking by faith, being the evidence of things that are not seen, versus walking by sight, the things that you're seeing with your natural eye. And every moment of every day, we have a decision to make. Am I walking by what I'm seeing with my natural eye? Am I making decisions on what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing? Smelling, touching, tasting, all my five physical senses, or am I being a man of God or a person of God, and I am walking by faith because without walking by faith, it is impossible to please him, and I certainly want to be pleasing to God. I want to worship him. I want to walk. I want to serve, et cetera, et cetera. So walking by faith is taking steps of obedience while keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. The moment, in verse 30, the moment Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and onto the waves, in verse 30, says, when Peter saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. When he was looking to Jesus, he was bold and courageous, and he said, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come. So when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and onto the circumstances, he was afraid. And in verse 31, Jesus asked the question, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? To doubt means to be uncertain 
or disdain in two different ways. For Peter, doubt manifested in his life when he took his eyes off of Jesus, the very source of our faith, which is the evidence of things not seen, and he put his eyes, his natural eyes, onto the natural circumstances, onto the wind and the waves, and he noticed that they were boisterous, and he began to doubt, and he called out and asked Jesus to save him. So the question for you today, for all of us today, is what are you seeing that causes, you, that, that causes doubt to override your faith in God. Because we all want to, you know, in a safe environment like this, in a, in a nice church setting, it's a beautiful worship service, you have nice comfortable chairs and air conditioning's on, the sun's shining, and people say, do you believe in God? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, I believe in God. Accepted him as my Savior when I was a child on vacation Bible school. Yes, sir, I believe in God. It's real easy to stand, you know, in this environment to say, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm, I'm a servant of God. But when we're leaving here today, or possibly even before you leave, what is distracting you? What are your eyes fixed on that cause doubt to override your faith? What is it that causes faith to just dissipate? One moment it's there, and the next moment it's gone. Whatever it is, the challenge for you and I is, is to learn to keep, is, is to continue to look to Jesus. Keep looking to Jesus at all times. You know, they put blinders on horses. And that's to keep them from getting distracted from all the peripheral stuff. And it's to keep them focused. Well, you put some spiritual blinders on your eyes to keep you distracted from all the peripheral stuff, all the glamorous stuff, everything that glitters and shines and screaming for your attention and stay focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus as, as a, being a person of faith. As a person of faith. Moses in Hebrews chapter 11, tells us that, you know, he, was, he, he, left, he, he chose to leave the comforts of Egypt to be obedient to God. In, verse, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24, it says, By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin esteeming the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Verse 27 says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing. Everyone say, he endured, he endured. As, seeing. as seeing. Folks, one of the keys for you to endure is to focus on what you're to focus on. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? He endured as seeing him who is invisible. So, well, Pastor Ray, how can I endure? How can I endure when I see in the natural everything that's wrong? How can I endure when I see in the natural my financial circumstances? How can I continue to endure? Well, the key to enduring in, in the middle of any type of chaos, any type of uh, circumstances that are uh, contrary to God's promises, the key to it is, is, is to uh, look to Jesus. If you're going to endure, you must stop looking at the mess and start looking to Jesus. Lift up your eyes. When you read through the Gospels, when Jesus was confronted with difficult situations, before he prayed, when he, when he blessed the loaves and the fishes, he lifted up his eyes. 
When he raised Lazarus from the dead, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Jesus himself said, I only do those things that I see my father doing. Well, who are we looking at? Who are, who, who are we following? Lift up our eyes of faith and we see things from heaven's perspective. When you see it from heaven's perspective, you see it as a finished work. You see it as the favor and the grace of Almighty God is for you, that it, it, it's already yours. It's, it's, a, it's a completed work and you see it as something that it, it's readily available and you see it and, and faith becomes the evidence of it. And when faith is the evidence of it, now you are confident and when you are confident, you will continue to walk. You will continue to take the steps of obedience, even when they take you over uncharted waters. I've never stepped out of a boat before. I've never done this before. But Jesus said, come, so I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. You're Jesus right now. I'm going to keep looking to Jesus. But the moment I get my eyes off of Jesus and I start looking at all the circumstances, I get that sinking, doubting feeling. And it all begins to fall apart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep taking steps of obedience, and you do it because you're doing it with the eye of faith. The eye of faith. You know, you're here this morning, but you're 35 years into something that I saw long before it was here. I saw myself becoming a pastor of a local church, not necessarily knowing where it's at, but there's, it was nothing. But God takes us things and he builds things out of vision and dreams. And he puts visions and dreams into people. And he's given you an eye of faith. Now, you may not be going out and pioneering a church, but you may be going out pioneering something. Or you may be doing what you're doing. You may be right in the middle of the will of God. But this morning is to give you encouragement to keep on going. God takes those things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we looked at it. Our light affliction is but, is in life is but for a moment. While we do not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Very real. But when I saw myself pastoring, and I saw myself in, in, in a local church, and then finally zeroed in on in, in being in, in, in this area in Berks County, I saw it. I saw it like it was real. We finally came to a place in the, in the history of our church when we were bought this land, we we're going to build this building. I saw this building on this property, working with the architect to draw up the plans. It was so real in me. It was a reality in me. I'm, I'm, I'm not boasting. I just want to tell you how it works. When it was actually finished and we had our grand opening, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't excited. I saw this thing a long time ago. Now other people are getting excited about it. At this point, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm ready for a vacation. I'm ready to sell it and go build another one. And, you know, I'm like Peter on the mountain. Let us build three. But seriously, I saw it, and it was so real. And then when it finally became a reality, it was like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, just like Brooks County or Lancaster County. <laughs> Don't get too excited. But I saw it. You're seeing things. You're seeing things. Don't be afraid to put voice to it. Don't be afraid to put feet to it. Don't be afraid to sow into it and pray over it a lot. And endure. Keep looking to Jesus. Your dream 
your aspirations planted into your spirit by God Almighty. He gives you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean, it, it may mean that, but I think the main meaning of, I didn't even tell you what it means, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that. <laughs> Whatever you were thinking, it doesn't mean that, all right? <laughs> Put it this way. When it says that God, delight yourself in the Lord who gave you the desires of your heart, some people look at that, well, I, desire my, I delight myself in the Lord, I'm worshiping God, he's gonna give me that new home, he's gonna give me this beautiful bride, he's gonna give me this beautiful handsome groom or whatever, he's gonna give me this nice car. Yeah, well, maybe that's part of it. I'm not saying it doesn't. I, I believe God does bless us. I have evidence of that as well. But I think most importantly, you delight yourself in the Lord. He gives your desire. The thing that you're desiring is given to you by God. Therefore, be confident in it and walk in it. Peter said, if that's you, Jesus, bid me to come to you. I mean, his desire was to walk on water and go to be with Jesus. And Jesus said, one word, come. And Peter got out of that boat and he walked on water and he did just fine until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Then he got that sinking feeling. I feel like it's all going down. But when he got back with Jesus, he and Jesus walked back to the boat and got into the boat. So keep believing, keep trusting, keep seeing. Say, Lord, open my eyes. If you want to be involved in a prayer, I'm going to pray for whoever wants to be involved in it this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Lord, open the eyes of our understanding, the eye of faith. You really have the ability to see things that you haven't seen before. It may be a glimpse. You say, well, that feels like a Snapchat. Well, it may be a Snapchat to you from heaven just to get you, get you started in the right direction. But that Snapchat will come back. God will keep reminding you. you you'll keep seeing it. You have a vision from God. You'll, it, it won't dissipate. It, it, it'll, keep, it, it'll keep reoccurring. The Holy Spirit will keep nudging in the right direction. Are you ready? Now, when you see this, you need to get out of the boat. Don't just ask to see this and think, well, I'm, I want to see it, but I want Peter to get out. I'm not getting out. I want Peter, you go. No, you're going. Are you ready? Take steps of faith. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I'm asking you to open up the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might see you, that we might see and understand and comprehend your plans and your purposes, that we might see and know and become confident that that desire I have in my heart is a God desire, and I'm going to take steps of obedience in that direction, even if it causes me to get out of a boat and walk over uncharted waters and, and over troubled seas, I will do it. I'll also be like Moses. I will endure as keeping my eyes on him. God, my father, I will keep my eyes on the Lord, my savior. In Jesus' name, I will not waver. We will not waver. I pray for everyone in here, Father God, for grace right now. Open the eyes of our understanding to the designs, plans, and purposes of Almighty God that we truly are men and women who are walking by faith and not by 
sight. In Jesus' name, name above all names. And all the people said, amen. amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, you have 20-20 vision. Consider yourself to have passed the test. Praise God. If you have any need for prayer, someone would be happy to meet you up here and to pray with you. Other than that, we'll see you next Sunday morning. Come on back. We're going to continue on this, seeing the unseen, and uh, continue to get, become really rooted and grounded and established in it in Jesus' name. We love you. God bless you, and have a great day. Enjoy the beautiful weather.